0: Good morning, uh, family, uh, really excited to, uh, to get to worship you today, uh, to get to read with you today, uh, and just fellowship in this truth, uh, today. Um, so you can go ahead and turn to Mark, uh, chapter one, uh, we're going to be reading through, uh, verses 16 through 20, um, and uh, talking about Jesus' call, uh, to his disciples, um, but before we get started, as I was, uh, preparing for this morning preparing reading uh, praying meditating on this uh, this constant idea of um, of you guys and of me and just us together um, was constantly uh, playing in my mind uh, this idea that we we know the gospel and we're getting to the point where we're really gospeling each other whether it's with our actions or literally talking to each other or reminding each other uh, about this truth um, and we're really becoming family uh but there's still, I mean, obviously we, we know there's growth always, um, and, we, and we're, we're constantly striving towards that to, uh, uh, to reach Monroe and to really be family, uh, this unconditional love uh, kind of family. Uh, there's still something there. And uh, I was talking with Kendrick uh, after um, the elders had their uh, DNA beating a couple Thursdays ago. And uh, me and him were just having coffee, and we we were talking about this idea the night before at uh, our DNA time or uh, our miss community time. Uh, we I think all of our MC kind of discussed things that we're all struggling with and things that uh, we we see that's really hurting us. Um, and we just talked about how it's it's good that we're we're doing this, where we're talking about this and we're talking to each other and holding each other accountable. But there's still this like this frustration, this you know, with with ourselves and just with the entire whole that's like. We're still dealing with these small things. And so we know the truth of the gospel. So why, why, are, we, why, are, we, why are we dealing with this? Um, and, and what I think Kendrick told me, uh, what he talked about a little bit, it was obvious, is our love for Jesus isn't, isn't enough. Uh, we don't love Jesus enough compared to this little sin. And that's with me. Uh, my, I think I've told you guys before, uh, laziness is one of the easiest things that I fall into uh, and I love being lazy more than I love Jesus sometimes. Uh, and that's, a, that's a, like a petty, small thing, but as it grows, it really destroys me. Uh, so I think what I want to talk about today with you guys is uh, this love for Jesus, like knowing who he really is, really loving him. And out of that uh, shows so much growth, so much understanding in the gospel so that we're not just, we know what the gospel says, but we really believe it. That's what we want to get to. We really want to love Jesus. He loves us. We want to believe the gospel. So if you're in Mark uh, 1, verses 16 to 20, I'll go ahead and read. So passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, you saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their fathers' ebony in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you so much uh, for your word, uh, how good it is to us, how, how we see it as truth, God. Uh, I pray that we remember this, God, um, as everything else uh, floods into our lives, God, um, that we look to you for everything, God, and through your word we get to know you more, God. Uh, so I pray that you are with us today, uh, not, not not letting any of my uh, flaws, any of my pride, get in the way of your gospel being proclaimed. God, uh, just speak to me, speak through this worship, uh, speak through this worship today, God, uh, as we just follow you, God, as we seek to follow you, as we seek for you to be everything in our life, God. Uh, remember that as we are dealing with these sins, God, that together uh, we see this uh, this church as a family, not just as a building. Our time on Sunday, God. Uh, we see this as a family. We come together uh, and we are gospeling each other constantly and gospeling ourselves constantly, God, um, with this truth. We love you and thank you so much for this family and for this truth and for your son, God. We love you. Amen. All right, so, um, so this morning uh, we do want to focus on uh, Jesus called these fishermen, uh, these random guys uh, out in their boats uh, fishing. Uh, so we also do see other instances of. Jesus' call or God's call on our lives. Um, so in 2 Peter one three, uh, it says, His divine power is granted to us all things that retain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His glory and excellence by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may be partakers in the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of some desire. And then, of course, uh, Romans 8.28-30. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Uh, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those who he justified, he also glorified. So we see this, this idea of calling uh, in the New Testament uh, through the Bible. Uh, so, what does this uh, mean when Jesus calls these fishermen? Um, And he's calling them to this discipleship. We know that these are the first four uh, of the 12 disciples that he calls. Uh, So also, uh, let's think think about what disciple means. What is discipleship? Uh, And if you were at the retreat, uh, going into one of our small groups, I I was in Scott and Kelly's group, and uh, that was like one of the first questions after uh, uh, we watched the video. It's like, what is discipleship? And it was kind of this thing of all, everybody in the group was kind of, I know it, but it's you know it's this abstract feeling, and, and you know you know what it is God that kind of thing, and we, we had to really you know flesh that out. Um, uh, so we, I think we need to understand that there, there are these callings on our lives, um, this big calling that Jesus calls us or that God calls us to, and this calling that Jesus is calling his guys to do this discipleship. So as discipleship, um, Webster Dictionary online, not the big I don't have the big book online. I really liked it. it says uh, defines disciple as someone who accepts and helps spread the teaching of a famous person. So that's it. Like, we can leave now, thanks to Webster. This famous person. We're spreading these teachings this famous person. I also found another one that I really liked. Uh, discipleship is a call to be with, know, and enjoy the master. Uh, and I just kind of love that. It's enjoying who Jesus is, really knowing Jesus and enjoying him. Uh, so, so we see this call uh, towards these fishermen, uh, and we see what a disciple is. Uh, so he's, Jesus is calling his men to be disciples. Uh, and I think there are a few things uh, we, can, we can look at in this uh, passage and then apply uh, to our lives right now as we are disciples of Jesus. Uh, so the first, uh, Jesus' call is very different uh, in a couple different ways. Uh, first, in, in Jesus' time, uh, we're talking about a student to a rabbi relationship. Uh, the, the norm, Jesus is a very different leader from the rabbis. Um, so, uh, as Jesus calls these men to discipleship with him, that never happens, uh, when you're looking at a rabbi and a student, uh, entry into a rabbinical school, depending on the initiative of the aspiring student, uh, the student had to go through all these things, and I think Jared talked about that, uh, one Sunday, all these, uh, uh, these different tests, you have to, uh, memorize the Torah, all these things, and then you go seek, uh, um, a rabbi and and follow him. You're you're the one that has to initiate that, not the rabbi coming to you and saying, "Follow me" as a summons. Um, and also the the chief allegiance uh, of these students uh, was not towards uh, the rabbi. Uh, it was he wasn't they weren't following him. Everything towards him it was to the Torah alone. Um, so in, so in there uh, we see that uh, when Jesus calls uh, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Um, this allegiance is not going to be rooted in the Torah or even uh, the name of God as we see in the Old Testament. But it is Jesus alone. Jesus' authority alone he calls them uh, to discipleship with him. Uh, so we see this difference in, in what their allegiance is and also this difference in, in what they don't have to do. Uh, Jesus goes and finds them. He calls them to discipleship with him. So we see this is different. Uh, we also see this unlike any other religion. So just naming a, a few of these. Um, beliefs or religions. Uh, Buddhism, uh, saving oneself by following a path of meditation, reciting mantras. There's no personal relationship with Buddha. While there is a struggle to make sense of this life out of one's expected required conduct on this road to salvation uh, when finally all desire is eliminated. Uh, so get this, this final enlightenment. All desire is finally eliminated. That's their salvation. Um, and there's no personal relationship with Buddha. So Islam, uh, there's a mission to Allah, and you have to compile good deeds and conform to the five pillars essential for salvation. Uh, so these five pillars compiling all these good deeds and, and following that is, uh, we're talking about Islam. And even uh, Catholicism, I texted one of my buddies uh, with what, what he thought about it. Uh, he's been at St. Fred's for a little bit now. Um, so he said, um, you have to be baptized in a Catholic church, uh, regular mass attendance in order to receive uh, communion regular confession to a priest and then eventually having to make your way through purgatory so all these things so all these things and we can look at some other religions there's things that we have to do just like the uh the students towards the rabbi we have to initiate these things um as as the rabbis look for discipleship uh, we are now looking for discipleship but in a bigger way seeking salvation uh we don't have to go after it, it just calls us to this this is good um so the way Jesus calls these men and the Father calls us destroys any idea uh, that it's um, that we have to know enough, we have to do enough, or be good enough to earn this. Uh, Jesus calls us to this life, um, and this call uh, from the King of the Universe uh, has so much power that it brings the response that it asks for people uh, asks for in people's hearts. Uh, this act of God guarantees a response because Paul specifies in Romans eight thirty. Um, we read earlier that who, all who are called are also justified. Um, so this is if, it, if it's a real call, there's no other way we can respond. Um, and First uh, Peter chapter two nine through ten uh, says, "You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own p- own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people." Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Uh, So I think when we start using this kind of language... Hold on. Most times when I get up and speak, that'll bring my water. It gets really bad. So I've learned from Kendrick and people else that they need water. Um, uh, So I think when we start using this kind of language, this chosen race, royal priesthood, God, uh, just choosing the disciples, calling the disciples, uh, a couple of different things happen. I think that uh, these two ways uh, can be really hard uh, to deal with. Uh, The first that we see is there's a lot of anger and frustration, uh, thinking that it's up to us uh, to follow Jesus. Uh, So that comes with um, believing that that I have to do these things. uh, And that that just causes friction between two kind of beliefs, uh, but also this frustration when we don't do good enough, and we're not going to do good enough. We're not going to meet these standards. So then that frustration comes, anger comes towards us, and the shame comes in with all the sin. Uh, when we think about this idea of Jesus choosing us, um, and, we, and we don't get that, we think it's us choosing him. Uh, but also there's, there tends to be, on the other side of this, the sense of pride that comes in. Uh, and this was definitely me when I first uh, kind of learned really about the gospel after after. You know, a couple years in college, I really saw this truth. Uh, My first thought was, you know, this is great, this is amazing. I can't believe I hadn't seen this for all these years. But then instantly, it was like this, like, yes, me. You know, I, you know, I don't know how that happens uh, because it's an unconditional love. It's not based on anything that I could do or you could do. uh, Just simply based on Jesus loving us, God loving us, and calling us to this life. Um, So how can I boast anything but Christ? how can there not be this overwhelming feeling of thankfulness and gratitude so much that thankfulness isn't even a good enough word for this? Um, so I think if there is this frustration with you about this, um, really check your heart. But also if, if, there's, if there's this pride that comes in thinking that you've done good enough to earn this, also check your heart. Because there has to be this balance. And we always talk about these balances. There has to be this balance between like humbleness. And, and knowing that this is good. I don't have to earn anything. I don't have to do anything. Jesus called me to this. So I'm going to cover that really quick. So like we see uh, with this church now, we talked about, unlike these uh, students aspiring to be disciples, these fishermen are not required to do anything before they come to become disciples. They don't need to exhibit knowledge of the Torah, memorize the Torah, or pass uh, some qualifying exam in theology. And this is, this is big. What they needed to learn and do uh, can only be learned and done as they follow Jesus. Only as Jesus followed can he be known. Um, so, this is uh, this is really cool for me to think about. Uh, so, I'm getting married in less than a week now. Uh, it's crazy. Last night, Chandler texted me and said, It's your last Saturday being single. And I think she was sitting at home painting. So, it was a really exciting time being single. And I was at home preparing this, you know, hanging out with Adam. Uh, so, there goes singleness. So, I'm going to be married next Saturday. Um, and as i as i thought about this idea of of only jesus uh as he's followed can he be known uh i think about uh me and chandler dating uh a little bit in high school and through college and then broke up we didn't really date again we got engaged just like that uh i really kind of uh um but as we kind of uh as we as we dated as we, we've done live together we've been really happy at some points we've been really really sad at some points we've had tons of arguments tons of conflict uh and we've just experienced a lot of things emotionally and spiritually together. Um, also, I've, uh, I've read a couple of books on marriage, like good books on marriage. I've listened to all these sermons on marriage. I've got to do life with some of these guys who are married uh, and learn from them and learn how their relationship with their, li- their wives work. Um, and we just got through premarital counseling last week, and Kendrick did not break us up. So that's a, that's a win. Um, so, so I've done all these things. I've learned all these things. Um, I bring through premarital counseling now. I like know everything there is to know about marriage. And now I'm going to be ready for whatever life throws at me. Right, yeah. No, absolutely not. I'm not ready. I, I quickly learned in premarital counseling when Kendrick would ask us questions about uh, how we would see you know, this in marriage, how we see that in marriage, that most of my answers were, I guess we're going to have to experience that to really know it. Like, that's how most of the answers ended. It was like, this is what I think about this, but in the end, I don't know. We're going to find out. And we're not going to find out the week after we're married or you know, five years. Just, I know it takes time, and, but I have to be married to really know this. And a lot of you guys know this. Um, so it's the same way with Jesus. I can read so much theology. I can have so many good discussions uh, about him. I can attend worship every Sunday. I can be a part of a DNA and an MC. I can even help people who are hit with disaster like this, like this week. Um, but if I'm not... Following Jesus, not truly following Jesus, I'm not a disciple of Jesus. Uh, And that's big. I think we need to see that, that only as he is followed can he really be known, truly known, and not just I know about him, but known. So we see that. Jesus' call is different from anything else uh, we see in in his time, any other religion, anything that we experience. This is different because he chooses us. He calls us to discipleship, not according to anything we can do, uh, we've done or ever do. Uh, so next we need to see um, that his call is different from anything else. So now we see that Jesus' call is life-changing. This is big. Um, and if we don't see that, again, we need to check our hearts on this. Uh, so not only life-changing in the sense of this truth of being dead in our sins, but now alive in Christ, that definitely happens with justification. Uh, and we see this truth uh, in Scripture. But also this, this change in, in our hearts, our minds, and just our whole identity And when Jesus calls us to discipleship, something happens in us, uh, and this is is really life change. This is a drastic, radical uh, idea that happens within us. Um, So in this passage, uh, I think we can see two uh, clear things uh, like this happening. Um, We see that uh, with um, Peter, Simon, Peter and Andrew, uh, Jesus becomes more than their careers. uh, And then with James and John, Jesus becomes more than their families. So as Andrew and Peter immediately drop their nets and follow this guy, they aren't just dropping a hobby uh, like it's not a big deal, but they're dropping their, their livelihood. They're leaving behind uh, how they make money, uh, how, they, how they live. Uh, so this is, this is big. So by Jesus calling them, he says all they need in life is really found in him. This is, this is huge for us uh, because our careers, even our small jobs that we have sometimes, it's how we make money. And we've talked about if, you know, if I, if I meet you, uh, my first question is, you know, what do you do? Like, or, you know, not, not who are you, uh, you know, tell me about your family. It's what do you do? What is, what is your career? This is big in our identity. We really think about this a lot. And I, I don't know if I have that career yet, so I'm kind of just, I tell you what, I'm around Munro. I'm just living in Munro right now, getting married in a week. Um, so this is big for us and we see this idea. Uh, and then with James and John, uh, as Jesus calls them to discipleship, uh, they also leave their careers, uh, but they also leave their father. They leave their family behind. Um, so we, and we also see this idea in uh, two other Gospels uh, as he's speaking to crowds. In Luke 14, uh, verse 26, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And again in Matthew 10, verse 37, Whoever loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So this is big. Uh, and, and obviously we can't say that Jesus is telling us to hate our families. Uh, we know this, that our love for Jesus is so big and it's so just over everything that compared to our love for our families, it needs like hate. Uh, so this is, this is big. This is life change. This is drastic. Jesus calling us from our careers, calling us uh, from our families in order to follow him. I like the way uh, Tim Keller puts this in uh, his sermon. Uh, He says, In our individualistic culture, saying goodbye to our parents isn't a big deal, but having Jesus say, I want priority over your career, that's drastic. In traditional cultures, however, the career is not that important. It's father, it's mother, it's family. That's where you get your identity. When Jesus Christ says, I want priority over your family, that's drastic. So what these men quickly learn is, is that knowing Jesus and serving Jesus, glorifying Jesus, and following Jesus must become the supreme passion of their life, as it does with you and me, as we follow God. And we need to get this. Uh, We need to see how much Jesus loves us and see how much sacrifice this is going to take. Not in a sense of, I have to give up all these things, but see how much better he is in all these things. So if this immediately freaks you out and makes you feel inadequate... Uh, be encouraged that your hope, like before, your hope is not found in how Jesus, how high He is on your list of priorities, uh, but in Christ's sacrifice alone. Uh, so here we still see another balance, uh, like uh, we talk about a lot, of staying away from the shame uh, that comes with um, with failing uh, and and believing that I can't, I can't do this, I, I can't give up my family, and I keep messing up because I do. Uh, but also. Uh, this, uh, this other side of things in that that I, I, I'm okay with sin. Uh, it says I don't want to sin. Sin is this huge thing uh, that I can't overcome. Uh, but this other side of sin is not a big deal and I don't, I don't really even realize what it's doing to me. I'm on that side a lot. I told you guys before uh, that sin does not seem this big to me. Uh, and so I, I let it destroy me slowly and then all you know comes out. Uh, so we need to find this balance once again. Uh, so in Romans uh, 6, 12 through 18 it's Few verses, uh, but I think it really speaks to this as Paul uh, writes to Rome. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you to, uh, to make you obey its passions. Do not present yourself members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought out, brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments of for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under the grace. And this next part is big. Uh, what then are we to sin? Because we are not under law but grace, by no means do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one who you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you, who are once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you are committed, and having been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness. Um, So we we need to see this that, that, yes, like. We can sin and not immediately die and go to hell. Uh, or we can feel shame and uh, be afraid of this all the time and feel like the sin is bigger than anything in our lives. Like, that's possible. You can you can do that in life. But let's, let's see what's so much better is that me being a slave to my sin, uh, whether that's being afraid of it, being it's too big, that's still being a slave sin is controlling me, or just not believing it's a big deal, and as I sin, I'm just a slave uh, to this flesh. Let's see that both these, not just they're wrong, you shouldn't do it, but how much better it is to be a slave to righteousness, uh, to be a follower of Christ, uh, and be obedient. Not in the sense of uh, it being a thing I have to do, I have to be obedient, but it's so good to be obedient to Jesus uh, and his teachings that we see. Um, so there's still this feeling of inadequacy, uh, which I know a lot of us a lot of us feel. Whether it's inadequacy um, to you know always understand the gospel and, and see the gospel in moments uh, and, um, and and reading the word, understanding what it says. Um, I think we can be reminded of two things. Uh, first is that we know we're constantly being sanctified uh, by this by this gospel. Uh, so justification, uh, this turning from uh, darkness to light, happens like that. Uh, it's just, it's instant, and we know this. But sanctification is a, is a long, uh, mostly painful process that we all are going to experience. But it's so beautiful as we constantly look to sin to satisfy us and constantly turn to Jesus uh, all the time in this repentance and rejecting the sin, repenting of that sin, and constantly turning to Him becoming more like Christ every day. So the sanctification is happening. So if you feel inadequate, understand that you're growing. Uh, as you sin every day, as we sin all the time, and we turn to him. Uh, and we get frustrated by that. We feel like we can't do uh, everything Jesus has called us to. Know that we are growing, constantly growing in the sanctification. Also, another thing that we can be comforted with, encouraged uh, by, uh, besides sanctification, is that we have this understanding that the same spirit who descended onto Jesus like a dove uh, during his baptism, lives in us. The same spirit that, that allowed him to do everything he did lives in us now. Um, Ephesians 1.13 says, uh, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of, your, of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. So we have this, and we, and we know this. Uh, if you didn't know this, it was like when I, when I first I think, realized it, uh, one of like, Vanderstelt's uh, sermons, I really got, I was like, like that same spirit lives in me. I know the you know, Holy Spirit lives in me, but that same spirit lives in me and empowers me to combat sin, to fight whatever sin I'm dealing with. These, these, th- these sins that we think are petty, these huge things that we don't think we can overcome, the Holy Spirit allows me to combat that sin, and the Holy Spirit allows me to follow Jesus, to turn to him every day. Uh, so let's understand that we all have that. If you are a follower of Christ, if you're a believer in Jesus, you have that same spirit. So be encouraged that it's not up to you, it's not up to your flesh uh, and how, how good you can do things to follow this. But like you have the same spirit that lives in Christ uh, living in you. So going back to uh, Jesus' call and how life-changing uh, this was for uh, these fishermen, um, we do know by reading that uh, these men did, in fact, fish again. Uh, and they did speak to their families again. They didn't just leave them forever uh, and leave their jobs forever and, and become these nomads following this, you know, this guy. Uh, but through this, through this understanding that they did see their families again, they did fish again. Um, we see that Jesus calls us uh, to not give up everything and become this hermit living by ourselves and uh, and reciting these you know random things and reading scripture all the time by ourselves without anything to do. Um, but what we do need to see is uh, this call must challenge us to reconfigure our lives to maximize uh, our relationship with Jesus maximize it in the way that he is glorified uh, so we have these things in our lives and uh, Jesus may call you to uh, to leave your uh, career and pursue another one or leave a career and, and do nothing he may call you to leave your family that I don't, that would be crazy but uh, so he may call you to do these things and it's, it's crazy. We can't even think about, you know, our, our careers. Like that's how I make my money. My family is how I love them. But for most of our cases, uh, we, we see that Jesus places here. Jesus placed me on Monroe with all of you. You're my family placed me the Chandler, uh, my, my family back home, uh, at Canes right now where I'm working, uh, at ULM where I'm, uh, where I, I did school, um, so let's think about that and not just, okay, have to drop everything, go somewhere else, go to another country. But how do we reconfigure our lives within these spaces to maximize Jesus, to make him everything? Um, so first we can look at family. Uh, I know that for me, family, and maybe for you too, family can sometimes be the hardest people to love, uh, the hardest to forgive, uh, and also the hardest to share the gospel with. Um, your family knows the most about you most of the time. Uh, know, they know you so well. They know exactly what to say. They can crush you. Um, so what if we lived this gospel-centered lives in our families? What would that look like? Um, maybe I didn't retaliate uh, when I don't think I deserve to be treated a certain way uh, because I know that all I really deserve is hell. Um, I could also forgive family members, but when they're definitely the ones that, that uh, should be apologizing to me even though they don't, uh, because I know I wrong Jesus so much more, so much on a bigger level every day. Uh, I know this. Um, and I, I can also share the gospel with my family, realizing that my discomfort is nothing compared to what awaits them if they don't believe in him. Uh, so let's, let's see that. Let's, let's see we're part of the different families. We're part of this big family. We're part of the church. Uh, let's remember, uh, I know with me, uh, my dad, I love my dad so much. Uh, he's a he's a great guy, and he's I, he can't wait to be here this week and decorate all this wedding stuff and be a part of it. Might have to hold him back a little bit, but my dad is he's a very hard headed person. Like you, you know, somebody like that, uh, you know, a family member like that, and he's the one the most that I have to forgive, even though he's you know he's my dad. He you know he should be apologizing me because you know I'm his son. I'm weak. You know he should be leading me that way. Um, but I have to forgive him a lot. Uh, and then when my mom too. Uh, Mom and dad got divorced when I was like fourth grade. I don't know what age that is. I never know what ages go with grades. So I just say grades from now on. Um, So fourth grade, you think about whatever that is. Uh, Fourth grade, uh, don't think about it too much. Focus, you know. Um, Fourth grade, my parents got divorced. Mom got remarried uh, in like seventh grade. Um, But it was kind of this idea of uh, my mom didn't see, and I, I see it now, my mom didn't see marriage as a big of a deal as I see it now, not just because I, you know, have this, you know, thing that Jesus, has, you know, given me eyes to see, but I see in Scripture and I see with personal counseling and all these these readings, that marriage is this covenant, this picture of our relationship with Jesus, and that doesn't an end lightly. Um, and I know that a lot of people deal with a divorce, and it's and you don't have to feel shame about that. Um, we've been forgiven, but mom constantly, it was kind of this thing of me and your dad weren't happy, so we got a divorce, and I was crushed by that. You know, they still. Um, were friends kind of, and they still loved each other, not like that's weird, they hung out I guess because of us, they went to basketball games with us, Um, but marriage wasn't that big of a deal, Um, but as my mom, uh, you know, she's over here with you guys sometimes, she sees me in Chandler's Relationship and how we talk about marriage, Um, and in that way, my mom began to see uh, how big of a deal marriage was, not because of us, but because of, we were just proclaim the gospel to her uh, in our language and and what we did. Uh, And then we were sitting with her at Nikki's one day and she said, I think she had been in something in Sunday school and uh, uh, she said if I look back at it now, if I know if I knew this now, if I knew then what I do now, uh, I don't think I would have divorced your dad that easily. And that was like, what? What the heck? Um, But it was like this this good feeling of like, man she gets it and she sees that. um, And she sees that truth. Uh, So so, with my parents and, and you have families, you can think about ways that you can reconfigure your life uh, and you can maximize Jesus so that they see Jesus um, and so that you can show them the gospel. Uh, we can also, uh, if we're talking about the passage, look at our careers. And if you're not uh, in a career, you have your school. Uh, so, I uh, was terrible at school. I really didn't enjoy the education side of things, I liked everything else. Um, and I really don't enjoy uh, working. Like we're not supposed to you know, enjoy working. Uh, thanks to uh, Adam and Eve, um, but uh, I don't enjoy working somewhere, especially where I, I feel like I don't have passion for. Uh, so I so I didn't enjoy school. I don't enjoy going to Canes making chicken. Um, so, but uh, I also have to constantly be reminded that I'm not that I wasn't at school to just earn an education, uh, and I'm not at Canes right now or wherever else I'm going to be in the future to earn a paycheck. Um, it's so much bigger than being at school and being at a job. And, and I have to be reminded of that constantly, and I think we all need to. Um, so with school, uh, I can see that it was more than education. I, I grew a lot personally, uh, spiritually, I mean. I uh, became friends with a lot of guys who I still to do life with as we pour into one another. Uh, and I also met Kendrick going to be at ULA, being at the BCM, and that's how I'm, I'm a part of this right now. Uh, you know, not meeting Kendrick, not saying he's, you know, the best person ever and that he did this all, or whatever, but through being at ULM, through BCM, through Kendrick, through meeting Scott and Jared, through this idea of the crossing, now I'm here with you guys uh, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, so I see good in school. I see that it was more than just education that took an extra semester. Um, so it, And also at Keynes, uh, I see good in I get to give uh, guys rides home all the time. Nobody has a vehicle at Canes, pretty much. Um, a lot of them, uh, so I get to have great conversations uh, on the drive home with some of these guys. I get to tell them uh, a few times, I kind of worry my hope is when they talk about their hopeless situations, and that's that's a good conversation. I'm not boasting myself. This is all Jesus. Um, but also, and this is like crazy, I get to show them that I care uh, about them when they find out that, Richwood is not on my way home you know this guy was like you don't live around right here no man other side of town I was like oh, okay He's, he still asked me for rides, though so it, that didn't that didn't affect him at all um, but it's but it's it's good um, so in in school I see a lot of this good in, in work right now Keynes and wherever else I see that there's good in this and it's more than just education more than a paycheck um, but at the same time I see that I I could have done a lot more uh, in school, and I could be doing a lot more at Cain's right now. If we um, kind of look at what Paul uh, believed about this in Romans 9, uh, verses 1 through 3, when talking about his brothers, uh, he says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I wish... That I myself were a curse and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. So this, I say, day of feeling anguish and sorrow uh, that Paul, though it can't happen, he wished he could lose this gift that Jesus gave him in order that his brothers receive this, this anguish that Paul feels every day. Um, And I know a lot of this is not real for me. I know it's not not real for us, this anguish that we feel towards these people in Monroe and, and wherever you are in these subgroups in life, your career or your school. But if I think about if this was real, what would that change? How would I reconfigure my life um, if this was real? If I really did feel this sorrow uh, and this heartbreaking for these people. I know that for school, um, just talking about a few things, I would not have skipped classes as much as I did. Maybe you know, if I'm feeling sick, I guess one day. Uh, I wouldn't just skip classes just because I don't feel like it kind of day. Um, I would have definitely found people to eat with in the sub- Every day rather than just sit on my phone uh, and text uh, or high school people. I don't know, like your lunch break or, I don't know, recess stuff, with elementary kids, here and there. Um, uh, I definitely would have sought after people to study with uh, after class, not because I love studying, uh, just because to make relationships with these people, uh, to grow together, and eventually show them the gospel, uh, because people, a lot of times in school and finals, they really show what their hope is in, and they show how fragile that is. Uh, That's like great times uh, as you know, finals are coming or whatever. Uh, I would have made it more of a point to make relationships with people rather than just be a loner and go back to the BCM and uh, do whatever they are, play ping pong. Um, at work, I know that I would not be releasing my shifts just because I didn't, I uh, felt a little tired one night, or there's a really good NBA game on that night, so I really want to watch that instead. Um, I would be picking up more shifts, shifts that I, that I wasn't scheduled to work for, uh, just for more chance to be around these guys in the kitchen, uh, connecting with them, and just being there to give them rides home, because I know those conversations happen. Um, so, and, and also, if these were happening in my life, or if, I, if I saw that this is good and uh, I know this truth. Uh, I know that I, I need to be doing these things. I need to be uh, seeking after uh, these guys. Uh, I also know that the Holy Spirit lives uh, within me, uh, empower me to, to share the gospel and fight against sin every day. So I understand all of this. I see all of this. Uh, but nothing, so nothing should stop me from making disciples. Uh, so why am I not doing it? Um, so with all of this, uh, Jesus does, he calls us, his call is different. Um, so we saw that, and we see that um, his call is life changing, and something should happen in us if this is real. Um, if that's not happening, then we really need to check ourselves. Um, so, because of all this, because it's different in the way that he chooses us, he loves us uh, enough to save us, uh, and then we see this change happening because of this love, then that should compel us to make disciples. Jesus' call calls us to make disciples. Uh, if we aren't making disciples, I'm not sure if we're disciples. Um, so I know all this. We, we know these facts, um, but we're not believing it. Uh, so why is this? Like, why am I not doing these things? Uh, and it's frustration. It's frustration a lot when this happens. Um, we know that sin dwells within us, uh, making flesh seem way more satisfying than Jesus sometimes. Uh, so this is not going to be on the screen. I just wrote this down last minute. Um, after Paul uh, has his inner, inner monologue in Romans 7 about not doing what he wants to do and doing what he doesn't want to do, he knows that this sin does dwell within him. And he ends uh, this chapter uh, in verses 24 and 25 by saying this, uh, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So this is, this is it. And we know there's frustration. We know that we know we're not adequate to do this call. Uh, but thanks be to Jesus Christ. Uh, he saved us from this shame, from this feeling that we have to be good enough. Um, he saved you and me. Uh, and, he, and out of that, he, like, we see how much he loves us. So let's really see this. Um, so to kind of um, wrap things up a little bit uh, before the band comes up, um, I think we need to start with Jesus. Um, see how much he loves us um, starting with Jesus in the sense of uh, not worrying about how we do things uh, uh, all these different um, things we have in these, in these, these you know, theology, uh, with scripture uh, with these you know the four G's, all these different things we can remind ourselves of, uh, these DNA groups, this MC um, that we're a part of, this, this church we're a part of these other people in our lives uh, that we get to do life with Um, let's remember these things. These are good things, um, but let's start with Jesus and how much he loves us uh, in the sense of his call being different um, shows us that that he doesn't look for us to do anything. He loves us just because he loves us. Um, And out of that, there has to be this life-changing thing happen. Um, But if there's not, remembering that we don't have to feel inadequate, we don't have to feel like we're not good enough and woe is me, uh, who I, I can't do it, um, he loves us no matter what. Uh, so out of this, this love he pours out for us, we should be compelled to love Jesus so much more. And out of that, we see sin is, is small, is, is, in, is insignificant, not in the way that it's not a big deal for us anymore. We see the power of sin. We see how much it can crush us. But compared to Jesus, in the, in, just, in the light of Jesus, sin is nothing compared to him. So let's see that. Let's see that that... That loving Jesus with everything, everything we are, everything we have, um, is, is major. It's big. Um, so we see how Jesus loved us and sacrificed for us in this gospel um, that should compel us to love these people around us uh, and share this good truth with them. Uh, and I think that we, we can harp on that, harp on that a lot uh, as the Crossing Church, and we want to see Monroe saved. Um, and I think my prayer a lot of the times... Uh, is, you know, just you know God break my heart for these people. Um, and a lot of times it doesn't happen. And it takes disasters like these uh, and th- this flood uh, to really see how much we do want to love people. And, we, and the guys we're talking about, there, there are so many people helping uh, certain areas. Uh, and they're like, that's that's awesome, that's helping people. But then we, we talk about the south side, and no one's over there helping them. Uh, so so, what's that? There's still this sin that we're dealing with. Like, yeah, we're helping, and we got to help the crossing yesterday, and that was great. And we get, you know, I got wet, and that was fun. Um, but so we see that, yeah, like we love. I know we love Bailey and Jeff, um, and we want to help them. But what about these people that we don't know? Uh, these people that we're different from, uh, economic, racial uh, thing. There's still something there that is not causing us to go and help them. And I, I think that starts with. Not loving Jesus, uh, we don't see how big the gospel is, the magnitude of the gospel, uh, how big this grace and mercy, this gift is. Uh, because if we did, nothing would stop us uh, from loving these people. Not just in these um, these small ways, uh, compared to uh, eternal life, uh, this eternity um, that we know we get to experience someday with Jesus. Uh, this this future we have in Him, this new earth. We get be with him. And this is it's beautiful. But other people, uh, yeah, we can help them with their floods. We can um, meet with them at view. We can uh, love on them at school, at work. Uh, uh, we can be friends with them. Uh, but if they don't know the gospel, they will be in hell. Uh, and we need to see how terrible this is uh, compared to how great our life is going to be with Jesus someday and how great our life is now with Jesus, this hope that we have in him. Uh, so I think that, um, I guess, this, this challenge of like, let's, let's love people in the way that Jesus has loved us. Let's see this calling from him, how big this is, uh, and let's, let's make disciples because we are a disciple. And if we're not making disciples, I don't think we're disciples of Jesus Christ. So I'll pray uh, the band can come up and uh, we can worship, uh, have communion, uh, repent uh, if, if we're struggling with this. So let's pray right now. Father God, I thank you so much just for this, this family, uh, not just uh, the crossing, not just um, the area of Monroe, the churches in Monroe coming together right now, God, uh, but your church, God, uh, your people. Um, I thank you so much. Um, this love we have for each other, God, I pray that grows every day. and We can gospel one another in times of need, in times of, of pride, God, and just in, when we are dealing with sin, God, I pray that we are constantly praying for one another, we are thinking about one another uh, and discipling one another. So, God, I pray that uh, as we see how big of a deal this is within our family, that we see how big your gospel is, how, how great it is uh, that you sacrificed your son for us, God. And out of that love, out of this love that you've poured out for us, God, we can't help but love people, and not just uh, in a sense of uh, loving that we have kind of messed up this this small love that's insignificant, God, but this real love, God, that you've poured out on us, God. I pray we can show to these people in Monroe, uh, to everywhere else, in our small, uh, in our groups, and our, our jobs, and our schools, God, um, understanding that they are lost. Uh, You are so much better than sin, God. So I pray that we are being sanctified every day uh, as we are doing this, God, uh, that we remember uh, these people around us. God, I thank you so much for your word, uh, for this gospel, how good this truth is, how satisfying this news is, God. I pray that we run to you every day um, when uh, when combating sin, God, uh, when combating our flesh, uh, we run to you. And realize you are everything, God, and we can find ways to reconfigure our lives to maximize our relationship with you, to make you everything, uh, all we're about, and glorifying you every day, God. I love you, and I thank you so much uh, for your son uh, and for this sacrifice, this grace, and mercy poured out on us. Amen. Just a moment. uh...